Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to the As of Yet Unnamed podcast. I am Parth. Here with me is Connor. Hello, everyone. And today we're going to talk about some of our favorite movies. Uh, we each picked three of our favorite movies, and we're just going to talk about why we like these movies a lot. So uh, I'll just start off with my first movie. And my first movie is called Whiplash. This was directed by Damien Chazelle. It was released in 2014. And this is kind of like a psychological drama and like a music movie. Basically, uh, the plot is that this guy, this young uh, guy, like 19 years old, joins a, a jazz band. And uh, it turns out that the, like, I don't know what it's called, the, the instructor, the leader of the band he turns out to be kind of like verbally abusive and like a a dick basically (laughs) so a typical band leader (laughs) yeah so he's like like really hard on the the band like where where to the point where like he should be like reported and like fired but yeah basically it's about this story where he joins the band to try to be like the greatest kind like just a great drummer, you know, great jazz drummer. And he goes through all of this like like emotional abuse basically, just so he can be like a great musician. So the story is kind of basically they're about their dynamic and uh their kind of relationship. And yeah, I think this is a great movie. Um the the band leader is played by jk simmons who's who played uh j jonah jameson in the the raimi spider-man trilogy and he does a great job like he, he's uh excellent in the movie very intense uh kind kind of scary <laughs> um the main guy like the guy that joins the band he also does a pretty good job and it's just a very tense movie like there's a lot of like very dramatic tense moments like uh one at one part he's trying to like make it to um like a band rehearsal and like the leader guy the the guy jk simmons plays he's like yeah if you're not back in 15 minutes you're like out of the band or something and it shows him like on his way back and he like gets into a car accident but then he still like walks back to the the place and he's like like bleeding and stuff like he's like hurt he needs to go to the hospital but then he's still trying to like play the drums and some dedication yeah yeah there's also like the final scene in this movie is really cool like the last 10 minutes it's basically him just playing like a drum solo in like a performance that with the band and it's just like a really good like drum solo and (laughs) It's just a really good movie. I mean, it used to be... I used to say this was like my favorite movie ever. I gave it like a 10 out of 10. I don't know if that's the case anymore. I don't think I really have one favorite movie. But it would probably be more like an 8.5 or 9 today. I'd have to rewatch it. But it's still really good. It's just like a really good drama. And uh, I feel like it's about like... The theme is kind of like... How far would you be willing to go to like achieve like greatness? Cause he, 
goes through all this stuff. Like, he sacrifices his relationship with, like, his girlfriend. This goes through all this, like, emotional and, like, physical abuse to, like, just be a great drummer. And, like, at the end, he pretty much is. Like, he's really good, but it's, like, was it, like, worth it? You know? I feel like that's kind of what the movie's about. Yeah, this is a great movie. Very, some very cool scenes, intense movie. I, I would recommend it to pretty much anyone, I think. So, yeah, that's the first movie I have. It sounds like something I would like. I've never actually seen it. Yeah. But right. it definitely sounds interesting. I wasn't entirely sure of the plot until you explained it just now. I knew it was like a musical movie about a drummer, but I didn't yeah. really realize, you know, it was about all the abuse he goes through just to become, you know, like a well-known and respected drummer. Right. That's definitely kind of an interesting theme to follow through. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the soundtrack in the movie is pretty cool. Like, some of the jazz songs they play, like, I, like, listen to some of them, like, just on my own time, like casually, because they're like pretty good songs. Nice. Well, yeah. if you're having a musical movie, you want it to have good music. Right. <laughs> it's right. like a necessity. Yeah. Oh, and it's also like, I really like how it's shot. I don't know. Like, the whole movie, I feel like, has this like orangish like, tint. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they did that, but it just looks good. And, um,. Yeah, there's just some cool shots where they do, like, close-ups of, like, people's faces and just kind of makes things more intense. And it was, like, critically acclaimed when it was released. So, like, I know it's, like, really popular with people in general, so I'm, I'm not, like, alone. Oh, yeah, I, I've heard <laughs> it mentioned on other, like, like, YouTube channels or, like, other podcasts. I've heard it pop up every once in a while. So it's not like some underground indie kind of movie. yeah. But yeah, there you go. Great movie. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Let me know what you think. All right, and moving on from that, I'm going to talk about my first movie of the night. And my first choice uh, for the podcast was The Evil Dead, the original from 1981. This was directed by Sam Raimi, who is, I guess, most well-known for the Spider-Man trilogy in the early, early 2000s, Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 and 3. Those were pretty well received outside of the third one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Lots of people watch those. I remember watching them when I was a kid. And going back and when I watched The Evil Dead for the first time, it's almost kind of a shock that it's the same director just because of how different in style it is. This is very much like a supernatural horror, uh, very like bloody and gory, like splatter horror kind of movie. It deals with things like possession and like a haunted house. Uh, the basic premise is that uh, a group of friends are going on a vacation of sorts to like a, an old abandoned cabin in the woods that one of their families owns. So they're very isolated, and they get out there and they discover that the man that was previously living in the cabin was studying this ancient text known as the Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead, and they play a recording of him reading a passage out of the book, and it summons like, you know, a demon. Or like a, a group of demons that starts tormenting them and they, a couple of them get possessed. And it just kind of spirals out of control. There's lots of very gory effects, like, you know, low-budget homebrew special effects that have like their own kind of charm to them. It's very obviously a low-budget movie, but that kind of adds to like the 
the appeal of it in a way. The acting at times, um, the most well-known actor in the movie is probably Bruce Campbell. He was most well-known for the Evil Dead trilogy being Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and then Army of Darkness being the final one. He is a really good like B-movie actor. He knows how to like ham it up and cheese it up, and his acting really kind of adds to the appeal of the movie as well. He knows exactly how far to push it before it starts getting, you know, you know, it makes you kind of cringe. You've seen those low-budget movies where the acting is just kind of like, ugh, you know, yeah. like, this is bad. He he never gets into that territory, but he makes it entertainingly, like, campy. And that really adds to the appeal for me. There's a very, like, oppressive atmosphere in the movie, like, immediately from the get-go. Even just the uh, the opening shots of the group driving to the cabin. Uh, once things, like, once night comes and the sun sets there's like a very like dark and ominous kind of atmosphere that like pervades the entire movie. It never really lets up. And even though the trilogy going forward would be kind of become known as like a comedy movie, like Evil Dead 2 is very much, while still a horror movie, like a black comedy, like the comedy is much more prevalent in Evil Dead 2. And Army of Darkness is basically just a straight comedy. There's almost no horror in it whatsoever. The first movie here really lays much heavier into the, the scary things in the movie. There's some kind of unintentional comedy, like I said, through the acting and just some of the uh, the reactions of the characters to all these supernatural things that are going on. Like, just their, like, complete, like, shock and awe at what's going on. They don't even, like, there's shots of, like, like one of the characters gets possessed and just dies in front of them for, like, a minute straight. Like a slow, agonizing, painful death. And it just keeps cutting back to some of the other characters. And they don't move. They just stand there and stare at them in horror while all this awful stuff is going on. And their expressions just keep getting more and more horrified. It adds like an unintentional layer of comedy to it. And like, one of the characters gets possessed. So they lock her in the basement. With like a, They like chain the basement door shut. And they're like, just let her sleep it off. She'll be better in the morning when her skin is like dark gray and her eyes are glowing. Like, no, she's not going to get better from this. <laughs> just stupid stuff like that. Yeah. And by the end of the movie, when things really kind of go off the rails and uh, the haunting aspects really pick up and you're down to basically just Bruce Campbell is the only character left playing Ash. It really kind of recreates the atmosphere of like a movie like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where it feels like just pure insanity. Like it's like the film equivalent of just going crazy. Like that's that's really the the atmosphere they managed to create. And the fact that Sam Raimi did this on such a low budget back in 1981, I believe this was his first feature length film, is really kind of crazy to me. Just how successful he was at doing this. And I think even at the time, it was pretty well received by horror fans. It's not like, it's become a cult classic today, but even back when it was first released, it, it, there didn't have, there wasn't a lot of naysayers. Like if you look up the poster, it's got like a quote from Stephen King or something talking about how much he likes it. So it's always been pretty well regarded in that respect. And it really kind of is an experience that I wouldn't compare to any other movie, save for maybe the second, The Evil Dead 2. And the reboot from 2013, I believe, to an extent, managed to recapture that kind of feeling. But it's very much a unique viewing experience. And I would highly recommend it to any fan of horror, you know, any kind of scary movies. If you're if you're into those, The Evil Dead is a must-see, in my opinion. I've, I've definitely seen this. I 
I think we watched it together uh, a long time ago, and uh, I don't remember it in like like a lot of detail, but I definitely remember liking it. Like you said, I think it, it like combines horror and like a little bit of comedy, um, like pretty well, and yeah, it's just like entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> it's just pure entertainment front to back. Yeah. I know there's kind of a uh, infamous scene in the woods with one of the women in the movie that's kind of off-putting to a lot of people. And I think even at the time, it was very shocking <laughs> what yeah. ends up happening to one of the girls when she goes out into the woods. Because part of the plot is the, the bridge that they come across to get to this cabin goes, like, it collapses. So they can't get out. They're stuck here. And so, you know, it, that really kind of adds to, like, the isolated feeling of the movie. And it's really... It's just this one set. It's just a little cabin in the woods, and they managed to do so much with it. But very highly recommended. Uh, the trilogy itself, I mean, I would recommend, highly recommend watching the second movie as well. It's very good. Army of Darkness is not nearly as good as the first two, but it's still worth a watch, I'd say, just because Bruce Campbell can make anything entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I even would pretty highly recommend the reboot. Uh, it takes kind of a different turn, and it... Um, Instead of just being like a schlocky, like, exploitation horror movie, they try to make it more of like an allegory for, like, drug addiction and, like, breaking the cycle of addiction with drugs and stuff. And they try to tie that in with it. And I think they do a fair enough job. And the gore in the reboot is, like, absolutely off the charts. It's, like, the bloodiest movie ever made at one point. Like, the most gallons of fake blood were used on set out of any production ever. At one point, I think, they held, like, the Guinness Book of World Records for it. So, if you watch the director's cut of that, there are some, like, genuinely, like, unsettling scenes that even made me squirm a little bit when I was watching it. It, it gets pretty disgusting, which I like that kind of stuff, but... <laughs> yeah. It might be a bit much for other people. Nice. Especially compared to the very low-budget, like, stop-motion effects in the original here. Right. It doesn't have that... The, the reboot doesn't have that same kind of charm, I feel. Even though... It was all practical effects. The 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 low budget early eighties effects really just scratch an itch for me. I just really love it. I don't know. I can't explain it. <laughs> I will say the uh one fun fact about this is that the the sequel, Evil Dead Two, the first like ten, twenty minutes of that movie is essentially a remake of the original here. Because I think at the time they didn't have the rights to use the footage of the original movie movie. So in order to set the sequel up, they just remade the original as part of the second movie. <laughs> wow. Which is kind of funny because they change a lot of the details, but it pretty much hit, hits all the same beats as the original story within like 20 minutes before going into sequel territory. Yeah. Dang. That is pretty interesting. <laughs> but I think that's going to do it for my first pick. I'm going to hand it back over to Parth. Okay. Cool. Cool. So the second movie on my list is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This was apparently directed by three different directors. Uh, Bob Persichetti? Yeah, Persichetti, I think. <laughs> Peter Ramsey and Rodney Rothman. Uh, and it was released in 2018. This is a great movie in my opinion i mean obviously it's, it's on my list but uh <laughs> it's not like my typical type of movie i would watch 
I don't think. Like, because it's, it's an animated movie, and I'm not really, like, an animated movie guy. And it's, I mean, it's not like a kid's movie, but it, it's kind of a family-type movie, like, to an extent. It's got, like, a family vibe. And those aren't, like, typically the type of movies I really enjoy. But this was just, like, really well-made. I thought first the animation in the movie was like excellent. It's like really unique. It, it it looks like a comic book, you know, just like in motion. I mean, there's even like little like thought bubbles and at some points in the movie, little little like blurbs of like people saying stuff, you know, like you would see in a comic book. Yeah, it just it looks really pretty i guess like the animation is just well animated kind of unique yeah yeah i don't think i've ever seen any other animation that looks quite like this so also i just i think the the movie's like genuinely like inspiring and, and heartwarming i mean the story is about you know miles morales uh you know the, the lesser known spider-man but it's about him you know kind of getting the confidence to be, become like spider-man and like he has help from like uh these like other spider-men from other universes that come into his universe that, i mean that's why it's called like into the spider-verse because it's there's like a multiverse you know so there's like several different spider-men in the movie like different versions there's like like a different version of peter parker from another universe that like he's kind of his mentor in the movie so yeah it's just like a really nice heartwarming story you know kind of feel good the characters are all great like the other spider-men i mean they're just like um well-written characters nicholas cage plays one of the spider-men really yeah i did not know that (laughs) yeah he plays a spider-man noir so like you know he's like kind of like like detective from the 30s that kind of character (laughs) he's he's pretty funny in the movie (laughs) and there's like like a pig spider-man it's just like a talking pig (laughs) spider pig (laughs) is that a simpsons reference (laughs) i don't i don't know (laughs) uh the the voice acting is all like really good um like I said, uh, Nicolas Cage is in the movie. Uh, John Mulaney is voices one of the, the the Spider Pig character. He's like a comedian, you know. And the movie is like genuinely funny. Like the jokes in the movie, for the most part, I think they all land. They're not like stupid, like cringy kids jokes or anything. <laughs> like, if I feel like they actually wrote like good jokes for the movie, though, I think are funny. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I I remember going to see this, like, at the theater when it came out. And, like, yeah, it was, like, a great experience because I really enjoyed the movie. And afterwards, I was just, like, feel like I was on this, like, high for a little bit just because I was, like, I had a good time watching the movie. (laughs) You know, people say, they, like, debate whether, like, the old Raimi trilogy is better or, like, the new, like, MCU Spider-Man. But I think this is the best Spider-Man movie I've seen. I think it's better than the old ones or the new ones, you know, the MCU ones. Well, this and is kind of like a standalone, is it not? It it's is. It's not part yeah. of either 
series. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's surprising because again, this is like animated, and I and I typically like like live action stuff. But they're also making a sequel to this, which is great. You know, I'm here for that. <laughs> Have they announced when that's coming out? I think it's like 2023, so it's still like a couple years away. Yeah, high high effort animation does take a while. Yeah, uh, you can't true. can't easily make that overnight or anything. Yeah, but I'm I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> it's just a great movie. I would probably recommend it to like. I guess anyone that doesn't mind, like, just a light, fun, like, kind of family-type movie, you know. I mean, it's not, like, it's pretty light. There's nothing super serious about it, but, you know, if you're looking for a nice little fun time, check it out. I would recommend it. Nice. Yeah. I've never seen it. Uh, like I said, I'm a fan of the Raimi trilogy. Yeah. Um, I'm not so much a fan of any of the MCU stuff, Spider-Man or otherwise. Right. But um, I might have to give this a shot sometime, you know, just based off how much you like it. <laughs> you, yeah. make, you make it sound really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, again, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it might not be like everybody's thing, but <laughs> I think it's worth a shot, you know. So, yeah, that's about it. That's my second pick, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Cool. I'll, uh, yeah, hand it back over to you. Alright, and my number two pick for the night is going to be Monty Python and the Holy Grail. This is a pretty classic comedy that originally came out in 1975. It was directed by Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones. They were two members of the Monty Python comedy group. And it's <laughs> it's like a parody of, you know, the classic Holy Grail tale of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And it brings in a lot of, like, absurdist comedy elements and kind of surrealism to make what I consider to be probably one of, easily one of my all-time favorite comedies. It's infinitely rewatchable. There's tons of memorable skits throughout. There's, you know, the knights who say knee, or the black knight, or the rabbit scene. If you If you know the rabbit scene, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's animations placed throughout, like hand-drawn animations that parody the, like the medieval style of art and advance the plot, quotation marks, which is very loose. There's not a lot of story to be had in this movie. It's mostly just a vehicle for Monty Python sketches. But I think it's hilarious. Uh, the acting is hammy and campy and over-the-top, and you don't take you can't take anything in this movie seriously. It's just made to be laughed at. There's no, like, deep, thought-provoking, like, you know, philosophical issues behind the comedy. They're not trying to make you think about anything with these sketches. They just want to make you laugh through sheer stupidity, essentially. And they do manage to capture, like, the entire tale, more or less, of King Arthur. <laughs> Although the ending is a bit of a fourth wall break. They, they, they break the fourth wall a couple times throughout the movie. And the ending is... Probably one of my favorite parts about the movie. Just the complete anticlimax that it is. <laughs> the movie just kind of ends. There's no resolution to anything. It, it builds up and up to like the typical climax you would think of like an adve medieval adventure movie. And then it's just done. <laughs> There's no payoff to that climax whatsoever. Which is part of the joke, I think. It was definitely intentional. But just the writing, the comedy is very witty. And uh, it's definitely a very British style of comedy. 
Um, that's kind of what Monty Python was known for. They have a couple other movies like The Life of Brian and The Meaning of Life. And those are also pretty funny. I've never seen The Meaning of Life all the way through. But these movies are just they are just great fun to watch. You can watch them by yourself and laugh at them. They're even better with a group of friends. You know, you can all laugh at it together and, you know, make jokes about the movie. I would say this is a must-watch for any fan of just being entertained. <laughs> There's not, like, a, a low point of the movie. There's no sketches that don't hit, like, that you don't laugh at. I think they're all equally funny and equally memorable. And it's just a movie that I could watch over and over again. I, I know the first time I saw it, I think, was in middle school. Two of our classmates at Sullivan Middle back yeah. in the day were uh, talking about it, you know, repeating the lines in the movie, the the the, the, the most memorable and funny lines. And uh, I asked them, like, what it was from, and they told me, and I went and found it and watched it on my own and just instantly fell in love with it. <laughs> I would say that it's probably responsible for, like, shaping a lot of my humor today just because I found it at such an impressionable age. <laughs> just the, the absolute over-the-top, like, stupid, absurd comedy that's pervasive throughout the movie was, you know, a huge part of my sense of humor growing up and still is today. Mm -hmm. And... It's just, I, I, it's just side splitting. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend you see it. Even if you don't like medieval movies, like if you don't like, you know, if the tale of Sir Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table doesn't sound exciting to you, that doesn't matter for this because that's not the point. You know that that story is not like told well through this. It's it the point of the movie is the jokes and the comedy and the sketches, and it's just. Uh, absolutely essential watching, in my opinion. Wow. <laughs> Easily probably the funniest movie I think I've ever seen. That I, you know, I laugh at the most when I watch. Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen this. Uh, I don't really know anything about it really either, but based on what you said, I, I might check it out. <laughs> I mean, just from the get-go, it's just non-stop silliness. And there, there isn't like a dull moment in the whole thing. So yeah, definitely check it out since you haven't seen it yet. Okay. I would say it's it's probably my favorite out of the Monty Python movies. I guess with like the style of humor, like British humor, I just, I guess I don't know how well like it would maybe work for me. But I mean, I watch like um, you know Shaun of the Dead and just. Just like like uh, Hot Fuzz and some other like British comedies, I like those. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I would say the style of, the style of humor in those like those Edgar Wright kind of movies. Yeah, it's similar. Uh, they're both definitely distinctly British styles of humor, but yeah. this is um, like I said, much more like absurdist and surreal. So I don't know, it might not land as well with you. <laughs> like <laughs> part of the part of the great fun of the movie is how low budget it was. Like, they couldn't afford to have horses for their actors to ride. So, Sir Arthur, he'll, like, <laughs> he'll, like, put his hands up like he's riding a horse while he's just jumping on the ground. And his, um, his, what do you call him? His squire 
will be behind him tapping coconuts together to make it sound like horse like horse clip clopping yeah. <laughs> while he's moving and it's just stupid stuff like that i'm like i'm laughing about it just thinking about it it's, yeah. and that's just like the first example that's like what they hit you out of the gate with is them hopping on the ground clopping coconuts together <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah or things like uh, two random french soldiers arguing about how much weight a swallow could carry <laughs> could a swallow carry a coconut who knows <laughs> it's, but it's yeah like i said I, I can't do it justice by talking about it yeah the, the monty python i mean there's a reason they're one of like the most well-known like comedy groups from, like you know recent history yeah it's a shame that some of them have passed away but i mean we got great things like this out of them so they'll kind of live on forever in that respect nice yeah i'll check it out man. and i think that's gonna finish up my second pick here and i'll hand it back over to parth for his final pick okay all right so my final pick on my list is the shining and this was directed by Stanley Kubrick. It was released in 1980. Yeah, this is pretty much like a psychological horror, maybe a sort of a psychological thriller movie uh, based on the book The Shining by uh, Stephen King. And um, yeah, I mean, basically, if you don't know the, the plot, you know, this writer basically goes to a, a hotel over a winter uh, with his family to like just you know be like the the caretaker over the winter and just write there and basically kind of just goes crazy and uh kind of like like murders um some people <laughs> <laughs> he does some bad things <laughs> yeah i mean this is a fantastic movie i think First, I mean, it's got excellent acting from Jack Nicholson. You know, he plays the main character, also called Jack. Um, I feel like it's probably his, like, most iconic role. You know, there's, like, many quotable uh, lines from this movie. And, yeah, he's just, like, just portrays the character really well. Jack Nicholson knows how to be crazy. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He's just got that face, like those it. eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like legitimately unsettling. I think in some parts, just like some scenes, like where Jack uh, has like an axe in his hand and he's like, like confronting his wife on the staircase, mm -hmm. and he's like, just kind of like slowly approaching her, and just threatening her I, I mean it's a little unsettling yeah they and, do a lot with a little yeah or there's was one scene where he's talking just like talking to his son and just kind of the way he's like saying stuff it's very like ominous like the scene where they're in the bedroom yeah and like it. you see him in the mirror in the corner of the shot yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. just like i guess the whole, the middle section where he walks into, like, the big ballroom and sees all the, like, ghosts and starts talking to, you know, the the bartender and stuff. It's like, wow, you know, unsettling, like I said. Yeah. Um, and I feel like... And, like, the, the scene in the bathroom, like, when he's talking to, like, the ghost of the 
previous caretaker that killed his family. Yeah. Just that whole scene. The acting is, like, superb. Like, they really sell his, like, slow descent into, like, madness. Right. Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the book, they kind of make it ambiguous whether, like, he's just going crazy in his head, or if he actually, the hotel's haunted. In in the book, it's more of a, a haunted house. Like, he... He goes crazy, but it's because the the hotel is haunted. Oh, okay. That's much more concrete in the book. Whereas in the movie, it's much more ambiguous. Whether he, it's a haunted place driving him crazy, or if it's more like, you know, cabin fever. Where he just right. kind of loses it being up here alone and isolated. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of cool how it's like ambiguous whether the, the hotel's actually haunted or he's just... Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's some, like, just cool shots. Like, the cinematography, I think, is really good in the movie. Like, the scene where all the blood comes out, the elevator, you know. That's iconic. Yeah. yeah. Or, uh, like, the opening credits, there's really cool, like, sprawling shots of, like, the landscape, you know, yeah. when they're driving. But, like, the flyover yeah. as it shows their car driving up. Yeah. 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 Also, just, like... At towards the end, when like the climax, where they're going through the maze and it's like there's a bunch of snow, or when, uh, the, the kid Danny and the the mother they like ex- escape through the window and there's this giant like embankment. It's like a snowdrift. Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like piled up the side of the hotel. Yeah, yeah. it just looks cool. Yeah. Some really nice, like, winter shots of this area that the film was shot in. Right. Also, the music in the movie I really like. It's just, like, it's, it's like, creepy. I don't know. Like, it really fits the movie. It's just, I feel like it's it's a, an important part of the movie. Like, it, you know, um, complements what's happening on the screen really well. Yeah. It's very, like, the the soundtrack's very kind of minimal. Like thinking yeah. like the opening credits is just like the ominous like dun dun yeah like it's almost kind of what you would think of like a typical horror movie soundtrack, but it's just done so well I think in this movie in particular and it's like you said it, it's really kind of an essential part of like the the atmosphere building and just just how tense the movie is in general. Right, right. Also, uh, a little fun fact um, in the movie. Uh, the hotel they say it's the Overlook Hotel, and they filmed it like the exterior shots of the hotel. They filmed it at a place called Timberline Lodge in Oregon, and I've actually been there uh, when really? I was little. Yeah, it's like this building on uh, Mount Hood in Oregon, which is like the tallest mountain in Oregon. And yeah, I been I went there when I was like seven, so I've like been inside it. Um, huh. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. The the interior shots were different, I think, right? Yeah. It wasn't actually the inside of that lodge no. that they used in the movie. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, I think the inside was like some set, I think. Yeah. I know some, yeah. some of, well, if you, a fun fact, if you want about the interior shots, uh, Stanley Kubrick would design the interior sets in such a way that they were like physically impossible in the real world. Like, there would be doors that lead to nowhere, or, like, 
the the hallways would like change, like the layout of the hotel would change yeah. as the movie progresses to kind of further add to just like the the claustrophobia and just like confusion, like trying to help heighten that to help kind of put the viewer in the place of the characters. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's or like carpets, like the carpet would change. It would be different from shot to shot. Stuff that couldn't happen in the real world, you know? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's some cool, like, behind-the-scenes stuff about this movie, too. Like, uh, apparently, um, Shelley Duvall, you know, the actress that played the, the wife in the movie. Um, Wendy. Wendy, yeah. Like, Stanley Kubrick was, like, kind of a jerk to her, apparently. Yeah. To, like, get a good performance out of her. Yeah, he was kind of infamous for that, I think. Yeah. She she was kind of in the same situation that the uh, the man in your first movie, Whiplash. It's yeah. like the movie equivalent of that. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, I remember we watched this movie together, too, The Shining, like, back in 11th grade. And, yeah, like, the whole second half, uh, my heart was just like racing because <laughs> it it was tense. Yeah, it never lets up. <laughs> yeah, like it it the first half is kind of this very slow build up where it feels off, but you can't quite put your finger on it, and then it just kind of gets crazier and crazier as Jack Nicholson's character goes crazy. Yeah, I'm not even I'm not like a big horror movie fan, but this is just like a great movie. I. I would recommend this to anyone, I, even if you're not really a horror fan. I mean, yeah, this could, you know, maybe win you over. Yeah, it's just excellent. It it very narrowly missed being one of my picks. Oh yeah, yeah, I really like The Shining as well. It's, it's definitely one of my all time favorites. Nice. I would recommend it to anybody, unless you have like a heart condition. Maybe <laughs> maybe you can't take being scared. In that yeah. case, don't watch this. Yeah. <laughs> because that might be very hazardous to your health because it is very tense and very edge of your seat. And it, it will scare you the first time you watch it when you don't know what's going to come next. It, it's scary. Right. But yeah, that is my third pick right there. Uh, I'll hand it back over to you. All right. And my final pick for the night is going to be The Thing from 1982. This is a cult classic directed by John Carpenter, who has kind of become one of my favorite like horror directors. He directed other well-known movies like the original Halloween, you know, Michael Myers. He directed things like Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness, which is another personal favorite of mine. And he even ventured into more action-oriented directing with things like They Live or Big Trouble in Little China. And he also has other like cult horror movies under his belt, like The Fog. He's very prolific as a director. But The Thing is, in my opinion, his crowning achievement as a as a director just in general. He he stays away from like the schlocky kind of B-grade horror that some of his other movies fall into. And this is just a very straight-laced, tense, like psychological, scary movie. Then the further it gets, it turns into more like a like a body horror, um, like splattery kind of movie with a lot of gore towards the second half and going forward. And the basic premise of the movie is that there is a group of researchers at an Antarctic research base in the 80s. So 
they're kind of stranded down there for the winter. You know, the storms are moving in. Everything's getting snowed in. And this is an American team. And there is a Norwegian team a couple miles away from them at their own base. And they discover a wrecked alien spacecraft. The Norwegians do. And mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of the movie, you just see the Norwegians flying a helicopter, shooting at a dog, like a dog running through the snow, and then flying overhead, shooting at it. And the dog runs into the Americans' base, and the Norwegians land, and they, they keep trying to kill the dog. They even shoot at the Americans, like, unprovoked, trying to kill this animal. And, you know, on your first watching, you're not really going to understand why, but the the basic premise is that this alien that they found has thought out and it is able to like assimilate and assume the form of any life form it comes into contact with so if it were to be here now you know it could it could assimilate you and it would become like a perfect imitation parth like you wouldn't be able to tell the difference yeah and so as the movie progresses the the crew becomes the american crew becomes like very like kind of scattered and they don't don't trust each other because this thing could be any of them just waiting for its perfect opportunity to kill one of them and that's kind of the basic premise uh it's very tightly paced and well written there's not a lot a lot of dialogue but uh what dialogue there is is like i said very tight there's nothing no frivolous talking or conversations all the acting is done very well Kurt Russell does a very good job as kind of the hero, quotation marks, of the movie. And none of the actors, as far as I know, are very well known. Uh, They're kind of character actors, more or less. But they all do a very good job. There are things about the movie that are very ambiguous, that kind of lend it to multiple viewings, for you to kind of make your own opinion on certain parts of it. And it's just kind of what I would consider to be the perfect horror movie. You know, it's got kind of... It's a remake of the original The Thing from Another World, which is a 50s movie, which itself is based off a novel from the 20s or 30s, I believe. And the John Carpenter version is actually much more faithful to the novel than the original film adaptation was. The The cinematography, I think, is really good. Uh, there's not a lot to work with. It's a, it's a base, like just a couple buildings in the middle of the snow in Antarctica. But you get a lot of cool shots of like wide open expanses of, you know, snow covered mountains and stuff. And um, once like darkness rolls over, there's lots of cool ex- exterior shots with like fires lit and kind of just like kind of cool lighting effects and stuff. And uh, the film manages to build a pretty intense climax. Once that basic premise has been established to where you don't know who's who and who's the alien, the tension never lets up. It's very tense and edge of your seat and you never know what's going to happen next really it's kind of a perfect escalation of tension them trying to figure out ways to tell who is the thing and who isn't and you know trying to keep themselves safe and just the general mistrust and kind of cabin fever that the characters experience it's very easy to put yourself into that scenario just with the direction and everything in the movie Mm -hmm. and perhaps the best thing about it in my opinion is the practical effects the the effects are like incredible like even today i have like the 4k like blu-ray of the movie and even today the effects look like stellar like the 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 team that worked on doing all the gore and the blood and just like 
uh, kind of the infamous transformations that the thing goes through in the movie did a did a really incredible job. It still holds up today, and and when those scenes hit, it's like, you know, it, they hit. You know, they're disgusting and they're kind of iconic in a way. Yeah. And they really add to the horror of the movie. You know, it's not just a psychological like tense thriller. It's it's ho- legitimately horrifying at parts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just. A must-watch, I think. <laughs> kind of like The Shining. As long as you can, as long as you can stomach like the more disgusting parts of the movie, I would recommend it to anybody. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I remember watching this movie together as well uh, in high school, and I I remember liking it too. Um, yeah, like you said, it's just like really tense. It's got does a good job of building up tension. And I re- I really like the ending where like, uh, McCready, the ma- you know main character, and s- someone else, Childs, like, yeah, Keith David's character, right, yeah, Childs. They're like the only two people left at the camp, and like one of them is the alien. And yeah, like, you don't know which one. Yeah, well, you don't. It, it right? could <laughs> it could be that Eve, like one of them is the alien, or neither of them could be the alien. Right. You, you just, you don't know who, by the end of the movie, you're completely lost as to, you know, who is themselves and who is not. Yeah. Which is kind of one of the, the best parts about it. You know, you can go online and find, like, long discussions on forums about why McCready is the thing or why Childs is the thing or why neither of them are the thing. Wow. So, yeah, I just thought that was a really cool, like, ambiguous ending. Like, you don't know, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There actually is a canon sequel to this, really? uh, which was a video game on the PS2, I think. Oh. That is like a John Carpenter-approved canon sequel to the movie. Wow. And in that, Childs is the thing. Huh. But I don't like that. <laughs> that, that game wasn't very good, I don't think, in the first place, so I just kind of disregard that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's, let's just pretend like this is the... The end. Yeah, it doesn't need a sequel. No. It really doesn't. It wraps itself up as is in in an amazing way, and it doesn't need it doesn't need to have a resolution. It's just good the way it is. Yeah, yeah, that's a good pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, it uh, I would it barely managed to edge out The Shining. Yeah, yeah, The Shining is like it would have if we were doing a top four. The Shining would have been number four Dang. for me. So, Did you have to like debate what, which one to pick? Uh, to an extent, yeah. If I was gonna knock one of them out to put The Shining in, it would probably have been Evil Dead, not the thing. Hmm. But it, it's a very tight race. You know, I'm quite a horror movie buff. Yeah, so. that's true. And these are all considered like classics in the horror movie scene. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to pick because they're all so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I am. I am not a horror movie buff, <laughs> but I I can respect it. I I can appreciate it. Yep. <laughs> you, you don't have to enjoy all the like schlocky B grade horror that I like sometimes to be able to enjoy these movies. You know, they they stand alone on their own. They, they, you don't have to be a genre fan to be able to appreciate like The Shining or The Thing. Yeah. The Evil Dead, maybe more so. Maybe that, that's a horror movie for horror movie fans. I would say. Right. But like The Thing or The Shining, anybody I feel like can watch those yeah. and enjoy them. That's true. Something like The Exorcist, he might have to be 
maybe more of a yeah. horror movie fan. That's a classic in my opinion too. Yeah. But um it's definitely that's a lot more shocking in a way that I think would turn more people off than just like gore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that's going to be my final pick for the night. Okay. And we're going to wrap things up tonight by giving some honorable mentions, some things that didn't quite make the cut for both of us, but we think are still worth watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parth's going to start us off. Yeah, so some of my honorable mentions would be Inglorious Bastards, uh, which is like a like a history revisionist movie. Alternate history. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino. Right. Kind of like he did with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. Yeah, it takes place during, like, World War II, and I don't know. It's just kind of like a... I don't even know what to call it genre-wise exactly. It's just like a war movie, I guess. And there's, like, this uh, main villain played by uh, Christoph Waltz. That's the actor's name. He does a really good job as, like, the villain. Brad Pitt's in the movie. He does a southern accent in the movie, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> so very it's very over the top. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a bunch of different kind of like intersecting stories, you know. Uh, there's like a bunch of characters and it's almost like a collection of little like collection of scenes almost rather than kind of like a main plot, mm-hmm. you know. I don't really know how to describe it plot-wise, but it's just, like, pretty entertaining and, like, kind of funny, too, in some parts. So, yeah, that definitely would recommend that one. Yeah, I've never seen Inglorious Bastards, but I've heard it's good. Yeah. I think I, my dad watched it and really liked it. Oh, nice. And then my second honorable mention would be The Social Network. I mean, a lot of people know about this movie. It's like a movie about Facebook. Um, basically about like Mark Zuckerberg and you know his story and how he like made Facebook and like kind of he he was like he had a partner uh Eduardo who like he went into business with and they had this big like falling out and I mean I'm sure like it's not super accurate or like factual (laughs) like (laughs) very like a dramatization yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's pretty entertaining just kind of all of the, all the like drama in the movie like the acting's pretty good and like the score is really good too uh trent reznor did the score for the movie and it's like just like really good and uh like stands out in the movie so yeah that's pretty entertaining and then my last honorable mention would be old boy which is a korean movie I'm very cultured. You know, like <laughs> Korean cinema too. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I only watched this like two years ago, but it's like about this guy that's like like kidnapped, I think, and like locked up in a room for like it's like fifteen years. Yeah, or something. I think like fifteen years or something, and then he's finally let out. And he, I think he, like, goes on a revenge quest to, like, you know, go after the guy that, like, put him in there, Mm -hmm. you know? And, like, I mean, there's, like, this huge twist in the movie that's, like, 
pretty messed up. Yeah, it's like and, an infamous twist. Yeah, and like that, I think that alone kind of makes the movie for me because it's just like so unexpected. Okay, I mean, I guess I can talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoilers for Old Boy if yeah, no one has spo- seen it. Spoilers for Old Boy. He like uh has starts having this like relationship i guess with this other woman and like kind of towards the end it's revealed that this woman is his daughter because <laughs> she was like a baby when he got put in the room yeah so yep. he never saw her grow up or anything exactly yeah so they didn't know who like the other person was yeah and that like just completely like breaks the main character at the <laughs> end of the movie basically yeah. he doesn't he, he ends up not even getting his revenge because he's in the room with the bad guy when this is revealed to him. And he basically just like falls on the ground and starts like weeping. Yeah. <laughs> and the bad guy just walks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The main character kind of just like loses at the end. It's not really like a happy ending. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just like broken at the end. <laughs> but. Yeah, very good movie. The action in the movie is also very good. Some really cool, like, like fighting choreography, you know. There's, like, this one extended fight scene, like, in the hallway. Yeah. Like, the side shot. That's yeah. a really good fight scene. It's a really good scene. It's, like, a one, one take as he's, like, going down a hallway fighting this, like, mob of bad guys. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I would definitely recommend that one if you like like action movies i guess i don't know maybe thrillers i guess to it's an definitely like a psychological thriller to an extent yeah yeah and like i guess you're not too sensitive to like i don't know shocking reviews <laughs> yeah i don't know because <laughs> <laughs> that is quite the twist yeah yeah I, I did not see it coming when i watched it at all right it's like completely out of left field. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those would be my honorable mentions. You you want to mention some of yours? Sure. Old Boy would also be one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. I think that's a pretty stellar movie. <laughs> Outside of Old Boy, I would give a shout out to Cube. It's a Canadian movie from 1997, like a uh, kind of surreal horror psychological movie uh, about. A group, of, a group of people that wake up in this giant, like, cube-shaped, like, prison, almost, yeah. with all these interlocking rooms and stuff. And it's just about them trying to figure out why they're there and how to get out. And it plays a little bit on kind of the, th- the same themes as The Thing. Like, there's some, like, cabin fever elements and, like, distrust and whatnot. And uh, the effects are kind of low-budget. Again, it was like an indie movie. So some of the effects look kind of iffy by today's standards, but just the writing and pacing of the movie, I feel like is pretty good. It's very entertaining. It manages to suck you in and keep you, keep you there till the end of it. And it's got, it's kind of allegorical in a way. There's not like, if you're just watching the first movie on its own, there's no real resolution to what is going on here. Yeah. It's just kind of meant to be like a slice of life in this surreal, like dream almost. But I enjoy that movie quite a bit. I've watched it several times. It's part of a trilogy. The second movie sucks. Don't watch that one. And the third movie is interesting, but nowhere near as good as the first. Hmm. The first is definitely the only must-watch, I'd say, out of the three of them. Right. Yeah. 
another honorable mention I would probably give out give a shout out to would be uh, Predator. I love Predator. The first movie is like a classic, in my opinion. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, psychological thriller, kind of horror towards the second half of a bunch of buff macho guys going into the jungle and getting hunted by like a like a super powerful high-tech alien that like hunts humans for sport. It's just it, it's just fun to watch. The movie does a really good job of setting up these this like special forces group as like this kind of unstoppable, you know, macho machine of, you know, your stereotypical 80s like hero characters. And then you see them get kind of like slowly demoralized and torn down by something even greater than them yeah. over the course of the movie. And that's just a really fun watch. The sequel, Predator 2, is also pretty good. Uh, I think it's got Danny Glover in it. It takes place in like an actual city instead of a jungle, which is kind of an interesting take on the formula. Don't watch any of them past that. <laughs> Only the first two Predators are worth watching. And uh, my final shout-out would probably be Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. I love me some Star Trek, and the second movie is probably the best out of the movie lineup. It's just a great, like, action, sci-fi, kind of space opera kind of story. It it takes the Star Trek characters and kind of puts them in more of a Star Wars, like, setting, where the focus is much more on, like, the action and, uh, you know, kind of interpersonal conflict and stuff than your traditional Star Trek storyline. But it's done really well. The effects are really good. Uh, and I think it still holds up today. Ricardo Montalban does a good job as Khan, like the main villain. And there's some pretty iconic scenes throughout. Hmm. And uh, if you were going to watch any of the Star Trek movies, that would definitely be the one I would say to watch. Okay. The first the first movie is also really good, but it is a completely different kind of movie. It's very slow-paced, much more traditional Star Trek. And I think... Unless you're already a Star Trek fan, you wouldn't really be able to get into it. But the second one is definitely a movie that any fan of, like, action-adventure would be able to enjoy. Yeah. Nice. And I think that'll be my shout-outs. Nice. Honorable, Honorable mentions. mentions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. Well, uh, I think that's about it for us today. Um, yeah, that was pretty fun. Definitely. Good, good picks. Thank you guys for listening today. Uh, we'll be back with another episode at some point. Maybe we'll be talking about some series instead yeah. of some movies. Maybe some TV shows. So, uh, you guys have a great rest of your day. Right? And, uh, we'll catch you next time. See you on the flip side.